With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus yes 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 and welcome back to the fresh arsenal podcast with me pb and me, JB. And we have returning as the now permanent host, Carl. You'd hey think, guys, happy here. You'd think we'd have uh, perfected this by now, but no. Yeah, we should have practiced that, shouldn't we? But we didn't sorry. tell Carl we had to come in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't expecting to be introduced either, which is pretty poor given uh, it's exactly how we've entered every single one so far. But we'll get there at some point by 2022. Well, it's been a while, hasn't it? We've we had a bit of a bit of a Christmas break. We released a, a transfer special, which uh, keen listeners may have observed. We we may have recorded a couple of weeks in advance of when we released it, um, because we were saying things like Lacazette's nowhere near the team at the moment. Neither Xhaka, and of course, a lot has changed in two weeks. A lot has changed in a week for Arsenal in the last seven days. We have come from, did we go as low as 16th, I think, up to now 11th on the back of three wins in a row. It was a massive week. I think everyone before that Chelsea game saw this week as a defining week for the manager and for a lot of the players. And what we've seen is three very different wins. Uh, I don't think anyone gave us a chance against the Chelsea Chelsea team who were doing well at the time. then a bit bit more of an awkward win against Brighton, not the best uh, performance-wise, but but we got the points. And then yesterday, we saw an extremely convincing win against, obviously, a struggling West Brom team. But it's these types of teams that Arsenal have uh, struggled to to dominate um, for some time. So, Carl, starting with you, what, you know, we all, it's just so unrecognisable for me to the eye. Um, the Chelsea and the West Brom performances in particular. Mm-hmm. What what's changed? You know, obviously we've brought in Smith Rowe uh, and we've sort of changed to a four two three one. But 
every player on the pitch seems to be playing with a bit more uh, freedom um, and a bit more creativity. We've got the same manager. We haven't brought in any new players. What's been the key behind this one? I think the biggest thing from a tactical standpoint is I think Arteta has sort of gone back to basics in terms of formation. I mean, we we had played a 4-2-3-1, a 4-2-3, you know, with a back four um, other times. Obviously, the 3-4-3 um, was used a lot previously. But I think within that 4-2-3-1, unlike what we had done previously, is that we've gone back to basics in terms of a lot of the rotations and stuff in the midfield. Um that overloading of the side when we would form back three, especially on the left with Saka and Tierney sort of um, playing as that hybrid sort of uh, central uh, defender role, that's sort of gone away. And that sort of simplification of the roles has made it a lot easier. Um, as well, on top of that, the players that we've brought in, uh, the younger players and stuff have made, made a huge difference um, just in terms of their enthusiasm to actually make runs off the ball. Um, and tied together with that sort of back-to-basics approach for players who a lot of them are making some of their first starts in the Premier League. Um, and then just the youthfulness that they've shown compared to, you know, Willian and players like that in the final third actually, you know, make runs off the ball um, and do a lot of things sort of off, off the cusp of which, as we've mentioned previously, has sort of gone away from the team recently, um, I think has made a massive difference. Mm. It's, it's interesting because the Chelsea game really marked the, the real change in, in approach from Arteta and it's an interesting game for him to go to it because I think many anticipated him to sort of lean on that that back five um, for a tough game and he might have been able to grind out a result but to to switch to very much a four and I think as you said there Tierney you know getting the shackles off of being a sort of half central defender and now showing us all the qualities got going forward sort of epitomizes the change. JB, do you think just cast your mind back to that Chelsea game when we found out Willian and Louise were out of the squad? Um, do you think in preparation for the game, Arteta was always planning to go to this braver four formation and introduce some of these young players? Or do you think it was a sort of late uh forced change of hand and he sort of stumbled across this system um i i think it's a bit of both right i think that Arteta deserves credit for you know at least acknowledging the problem um i i think you know he he got fair criticism earlier in the season for being pretty stubborn uh you know he was wedded to well, he was wedded to this kind of hybrid system, right? And that didn't generate enough offensively. And he tweaked things. And he kind of went, he went to a back four a bit more often. Um, and, and there were still problems. But he wasn't really flexible with the positional play element, right? So he would kind of move people around on the pitch and, and change the shape of the team. But the, the kind of core principles were not, really changing um but what you could see was he recognized the problem right so he tried a few different things he changed his shape then he tried Lacazette as a 10 right he, he knew that we weren't getting someone in there and he tried it with Lacazette he's moved Saka around so look I I, I think there is an element of, of landing on something good 
Um, and I think Emil Smith-Rowe has to be part of that. And I think Martinelli is part of that in just kind of the way he plays and that transmits to the rest of the squad. But I don't think this was a complete accident because I think it's fair to say Arteta has been, you know, visibly looking for solutions. So mm. to, kind of, to Carl's point, um, I think that, yeah, like it's a bit of shape. It's a bit of, I, I don't know if you could call it relaxing your principles or what. Um, and it's a bit of personnel. But what I would say is like, you know, managers, managers do this. Um, you know, managers are judged often on how they solve problems. And whilst I think, you know, you can criticise how we were playing, I think you have to give credit for someone who's prepared to... Because a lot of people thought he was floundering and just trying to tinker and didn't know what to do. And I think unless you have, you know, it takes balls to kind of throw, not throw away, but kind of move from a system that you were so heavily wedded to. Mm. Um so, so yeah, credit for that. And then, I, look, apart from Smith-Rowe, I think if you look at the team that played yesterday, they were all players who were playing when we were playing badly. I mean, maybe Marie, but I don't think he's as good as he's been. I don't think he's a reason we've changed how we're playing, right? So I think a lot of it is just from having an extra body in an advanced central space. But I think that... Oh, Newcastle just scored. Um, I, I think that... Yeah, it, it's it's kind of more it's more complicated than just saying we brought in you know Emil Smith Rowe and playing the kids as good as they've been because I think yeah. there has to be you know there's a system element too. And to back that up, sort of yesterday was obviously the first uh, the last two games the Chelsea game the Brighton game. William wasn't involved just because of the the COVID situation, but the first game back yesterday, if Arteta had basically been as stringent on his policies as we have a lot of people have labeled him as William would have been right back into the team hmm. yesterday, but he wasn't. And I think that's sort of him realizing, you know, sometimes good managers create solutions to problems and a lot of times they stumble on them. And I think the, the issues with the COVID uh, with Gabrielle out, obviously William out um, again for the first Chelsea game, I think a, li- a little bit of it was that was obviously uh, enforced, but then, Sticking with that and, you know, encouraging those sort of changes that we saw, um, I think it also has to go to Arteta just to, you know, back up that sort of point earlier. Yeah, and I, I think everyone was uh, paying close attention yesterday to see if William was going to start. I think that was a real like, – yeah, I'm glad it went the way it did, but, like, I, I think that had the potential to go very wrong uh, and lose a lot of people who were back on side if William had started yesterday. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. I think, you know, there may have been an element of desperation to how how we got to that lineup against Chelsea, but as as you've both sort of said, he deserves credit um, because he was he was getting a lot of criticism when he was making some other desperate moves that didn't work out. So, you know, we I think we've stumbled across across this somewhat, and there's you know we we will have problems with this team against other opposition as well. But um, I think the main thing for me is, as you said, JB, there's not a huge difference in the personnel on the actual pitch. But Arteta, I think it was after the Burnley game or the Everton game, actually, where Arteta said, look, we need fighters now. I want to see fighters, you know, in this time of need. And it it feels like certain people have have risen to that occasion. Um, 
you know, well documented. Those people, the likes of Tierney, Smith Rowe has obviously come from come from the periphery, um, right into the heart of this team. But for me, I think the real sort of leader and the, and the real standout in these last three games has been Saka. Uh, you know, a player who in really in a really tough year where we've gone through a couple of managers uh, where he's had to fill in at left back, right midfield, left midfield, attacking midfield, has, you know, you can count the number of bad games he's had on one hand, which is remarkable for someone who turned 19 in the summer. And I just think in, in this week where we've seen him score two goals and set up a couple and just be involved in all the play, make things happen out of nothing. I mean, we saw in the Southampton draw when we're in a really difficult place, it was him that sort of picked up that ball and made that goal happen. Um, how impressed have you guys been with with what Saka's bringing to the team? It's really hard to, you know, you, I sometimes forget he's only 19. He's only just turned 19 in the summer. You know, this guy, many bad things happened in 2020 for Arsenal, but this guy signing a new deal was so big, so big for the club. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for me of what separates Saka from a lot of other talented young players is that he's basically any sort of phase of play, he's technically secure with possession. A lot of times you'll have players who are very, very quick, who, you know, will lose possession, you know, make the wrong choice in the final third. Um, but Saka, with his back to goal, with his, you know, receiving on the front foot, et cetera, like that, he basically never loses possession. And this is actually a, a commonplace thing with Smith Rowe, Martinelli, and Saka as well, is that they all make the right decision. You know, they play the pass with the right way. They make the right decision of when to play the pass, who to play the pass to. And that sort of thing is something that you usually don't have when you're 19 years old. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he has it more, you know, compared to the more senior players in the team as well. Um, you know, and that I think a lot of that is that they is with with all aspects of their play whether it's off the ball or on the ball is they do everything with urgency and Saka you know makes those hard runs with the ball off the ball to get into space like that and it's you know it's it's you know it's really 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 pleasing to see going forward because you know he can only get better um you know whether his long-term future is on the right on the left you know I've seen people say they prefer him as a, as a wing back a left back you know I prefer him in the final third um but you know pretty much anywhere he's shown to be effective yeah, I mean, look, I, I can't believe how good he is, right? And I, I think what's quite impressive is is age nineteen. You know, we're not we're not seeing like flashes of talent, right? He's probably our best player, and and one of our most consistent. Yeah, and like every game, he keeps finding new ways to, <clears throat> um, you know, to, to kind of impress us. Uh, and I don't think, you know, Carl alluded it alluded to it there. I don't think people necessarily appreciate how good he is, right? If you, how difficult it is to do what he's done at 19, let alone in your, uh, at your prime, right? So to play fullback, wingback, kind of central-ish midfield, left wing and right wing, mm. all to a standard where you could kind of compete for a starting place for Arsenal and for your country at 19 is absurd. So in a struggling team, yeah, two different managers, yeah, yeah. and like, look, mentally, and I think with Saka, one of the things, you know, with young players, often what they can do with the ball technically stands out, 
but but mentally to have like his positional awareness is off the charts right as, as Carl said he finds space wherever he is on the pitch he occupies the right areas he makes the right runs and makes the right decisions that that is why he stands out right it's not lots of young players can do amazing things with the football but they don't or they don't do it a lot the fact that this guy is just in the right place doing the right things at his age in multiple positions is ridiculous like and, and on top of that like just, just to put a context to it um yeah. carl i'll let you come in but like yeah. you know as someone who plays wide myself and uh, it's probably a slightly different level from arsenal <laughs> playing, playing on the right and left is actually very different right people just assume all wide players can do it but you've got people coming from different directions your body shape is different you're receiving the ball on different feet you're going different ways you know one side you're naturally crossing and running down the line the other side you're naturally running in like you've got to think a lot and to be able to do that and find space and then do useful things with the ball on both sides on top of all the rest is just it's really difficult so i just like i just want to give i guess a testament to the skill level that is required to play the way saka is playing and it's not just like when he whips one to the back post or when he lobs the keeper or when he plays a nice one too like it is all the simple things that you see him doing on the pitch are actually really difficult and to do them at 19 in the Premier League is like it's absurd. Yeah, and I think the the thing which basically exemplifies this is the Brighton assist because he's receiving the the player I forgot who passes it to him um, for that Brighton assist um, who passes it to him is confident that Saka he he has his he's facing his own goal he has players on his back and his teammate whoever it is who passes it to him I forgot is confident that he'll make the right decision and be able to find himself out of trouble in that scenario, you know, and for a 19 year old to be able to just, you know, have the confidence that, you know, any sort of circumstance, you know, I'm going to give you the ball and you're going to make the right decision is, you know, he's taking the game by the scruff of the neck and unlike a lot of other players, you know, he's mm-hmm. basically doing what Obama Yang did for us last season. Um, yeah. 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 No, I like that. You see a similar effect. The teammates are trusting him more and more, have more belief in him and, you know, he, he's a player you want to trust with the ball because he, as you say, is so secure. And I think this week's a big step for him in that he's uh, added goals to his game a bit more because, you know, he's he's been a creator for us for some time, whether he's been at left back or on the wing, but he's not scored a huge amount. Um, and that's probably what's kept the eye of sort of non-Arsenal fans off him a little bit. And uh, he's getting a bit more attention this week because of those two goals. And if he can add that to his game consistently, you know, he's he's up there with you know, with the very best. Let's just hope we can keep hold of him for as for as long as possible. Um so yeah, Saka, lots of praise for Saka. Uh I want to move on now to just talk about our creativity in general. When when Arsenal have been struggling of late, we've seen a lot of people sort of criticize the amount of chances we're creating. Uh, sort of pointing to our XG numbers, our expected goals not being great either. You know, when Arteta said we should have scored a couple, the stats, the expected goals have said, well, actually, we've not created much and we shouldn't. Um, We're seeing expected goals everywhere now. You know, if you play football manager, it's on there. It's on match of the day at the end of the games. Carl, as someone who sort of works um, very closely with this kind of stuff, I'm interested to know a little bit more about how how these sort of chances are awarded. So, you know, if something comes to Aubameyang's weak foot, for example, in the same area as it comes to his strong foot, or if the ball's bouncing, 
or if it comes to his head. Um, you know, how, how are these things awarded? Because Arsenal yesterday, for people who don't know, managed over 4xG by some, some models yesterday, which is, I believe, our highest for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at its very basic level, expected goals is basically the probability that a shot will go in based on the, the characteristics of that shot in past history. So expected goals models, um, the one we have at StatsBomb is basically similar shots from all areas across the pitch. So thousands and thousands of shots over many different years are basically awarded a probability. Um, and going into that probability is the location of the shooter, which at its most basic level, the ones you see across the board are, you know, how far from was the goal? What was the angle on that shot? Um, as well, the type of pass that received from it. So if it's across, it's going to be a little bit lower, obviously, because that will most likely be a header. Headers are more difficult to put on target than, you know, left or right foot shots. Um, and, you know, set pieces as well, obviously change that. Um, so that is sort of the basic level about how expected goals basically look in general and, and sort of using that in an Arsenal context. Um, since Emery came in, apart from the very brief beginnings when it was looking positive at the beginning, Arsenal have been basically allowing their teammates a lot more uh, expected goals per match um, than we've usually been um, actually creating ourselves. So usually what that means is expected goals at a broad level is great for actually determining um, how effective a uh, uh, attacking team is over the course of the season. Um, on a basic level per match, looking at it um, just isolated, um, it doesn't tell you much because there's obviously a lot to go- that goes into it, like game state. But a trending team, a trending line for that sort of thing is a good way to look at it. Um, And while obviously the changes that we've mentioned in the past three matches, the Chelsea, the Brighton game and the West Brom game are not a great sample size over the course of Arteta's entire reign. um, It's trending to a positive direction over that sort of thing. So obviously the West West Brom game, um, we had us at at StatsBomb at 3.53 expected goals to 0.44. So that basically uh, at its basic level says Arsenal have, we're creating tons and tons of chances and they're allowing the opponents a lot less. Um, the Chelsea game, obviously, they racked up a little bit higher in the second half um, because um, they obviously, we had the big goal lead and they were, we were just dropping deeper, you know, natural consequences, that sort of match. Uh, and then the Brighton game was tight. Um, but at that sort of thing, we've also, um, we've been limiting the opponents and creating a lot more in that sort of um in those recent matches. So if can things continue, we show the attacking um, intent that we've, you know, we've highlighted recently. Um, I think that, you know, it could be trending in the positive direction long-term. Mm, good to hear. Good to hear. We haven't been lucky then this week. Maybe the Brighton game, as you say, was a bit close, but obviously it doesn't, expected goals don't take into account the, the quality of player, I guess. So, yeah. You know, if you're creating similar amount of XG as a team like Brighton, you would expect Arsenal to to be more. Well, kind of. I, I, I and Carl's Carl's going to know this better than me, but players very rarely like outperform their XG over a long period of time. Like, yeah. if you're an unbelievable finisher, you might do it, or you might kind of, you know, finish harder chances. But in general, players don't. Um. So, like, Cavani is a really good example of um, 
bit, you know, he's got a reputation as being a bad finisher or a good finisher. And I remember a big argument, but he's like, he finishes bang on XG and scores loads because he just gets in amazing positions where he has a really high XG because you'd expect him to score a shit ton because he's so good at getting in goal scoring positions. But he'll miss easy ones and he'll score hard ones. And that will round out about what you'd expect. The funny one was yesterday, right? The debate we had where William shanked that volley so badly that the shot that would be counted was the when Aubameyang tried to re-divert William's shot into the goal. The, so yeah, William's, William's shot was so bad it didn't even register as a shot. How would it have worked for... Uh... Actually, uh, looking at it now, we, it actually did register as a shot. Oh, um, so we got, we got two from that. We got two. We got uh, William's shot was point, uh, point 0.9, which was very low. And then Aubameyang's was uh, point point zero, sorry, point zero 0.09. Point zero 0.09, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Ab- and then um, Aubameyang's was six uh, point six nine. What about so that, the first so that half was when that was Saka a better. So those two, sorry, those two chances combined was basically like missing a penalty. Yeah, basically, yeah. The Saka cross, you know, the cross shot in the first half that Aubameyang, I think he got some kind of contact on with his stats. Does how did, how has that worked out? Is he expected? Was that like um, a really high? I don't think that was recorded as a shot on goal. I think it okay. was. I think it was uh, looking at it now. Yeah. Um, But just to go back to sort of the the, um, overperforming or underperforming expected goals um, at a team level, that's one of the biggest reasons why um, the metrics when we were under Emery were incredibly, um, the results were were not matching up with the metrics. So why so many Arsenal, um, Arsenal fans and, you know, data people were looking at it and saying, we're not sure that Emery's success early on is sustainable because we were outperforming our expected goals by a ton. You know, we weren't creating a lot, but we were scoring a lot of goals. And as, you know, as later on, we eventually reverted the type and, you know, teams were putting away chances on us and we weren't scoring the goals that we were originally. Um so you can look at it that that sort of trending like you did, uh, like JB talked about with Gavani at either a team level or uh, an individual level. Hmm. Well, it's good to hear. Good to hear that we're trending in the right way then on the pitch and also the data is backing that up. Um, and talking of XG, I saw that uh, one of our players by, by someone's model yesterday had over two XG himself and he did score two goals. And that's Lacazette. Um, I think, We've been quite critical of him on this on this podcast, and and rightly so on many occasions. But in a week where a lot of young players have received the plaudits um, from fans and pundits, I think Lacazette deserves uh, definitely deserves a mention. Four goals in the three games, um, you know, made the difference off the bench against Brighton, scored uh, the vital penalty at Chelsea, and obviously two goals yesterday, and. You know, whether you've supported him all the time or not, this is definitely an, an uptick in form from him. He's, you know, at a time where many other senior players are are dropping their heads and, and dropping their effort levels, perhaps. Lacazette has has really sort of come to the fore now. Um, JB, what, what do you make about him? Do you think this is a sort of a beneficiary of the system change um, or a bit, of, a bit about him personally? Yeah, it's a funny one, right? I, th- I think that um, th- this comes back to a conversation we had a, wh- a while ago about what we mean when we say a good player and a bad player. And I think that generally what what we really mean is, you know, 
football comes back to systems and systems can make bad players or, or you know below average players look good and they can make above average players look bad and i think one of the challenges with with a team that is struggling is that it's actually very difficult to judge individuals um and what we had in the first half of the season and what we had towards the end of emery was if if a team is just not functioning everyone looks bad and the players who don't might not be the best players they might be the most individual players and you know that's why someone like Gendouzi might have looked really good under Emery and then struggled more so under Arteta when you want different things. And I think what we saw with Lacazette was a player being asked to do a role that doesn't suit him in a team that was struggling where none of the players around him had the attributes to make up for his deficiencies. So, for example, if you had, you know, if you had, Pair Mertesacker at centre back and playing with Koscielny and Bellerin either side. Actually, you might not notice his lack of pace, right? If you have two Mertesackers, you probably notice it. Uh, and the same with Jacker when he's got legs next to him versus when he doesn't. And I think Lacazette in a pretty static team with Abamyang stuck out on the left and, and largely out of form and William on the right who can't really move, you, you see everything that Lacazette doesn't do. Right, you see that he doesn't run in behind. You see that the more he comes deep, the less he gets into the box. Um, and I, and I think what we've seen more recently is two things. I think number one, the the deeper creative burden has been taken off him. Like he, I'm sure he's playing higher up the pitch now because, yeah, you've got a ten behind him, but you've also got Jacker getting on the ball more confidently. You've got Saka. Uh, who creates more on the right because he can come inside more and play forward on his left foot versus when he's on the left. So you have a creative burden taken off Lacazette. Mm -hmm. He plays higher. And you also have the runners in behind him. So when he's getting the ball now, even when he's showing back to goal or holding off a defender, there are players closer to him for a quick layoff and there are players around the corner for a ball around the corner. Um, and that also means that he can get into the box by arriving in the box, which is what he does quite well and how he scored most of his goals for Leon, running onto things like he did against Brighton, um, rather than having to be the spearhead. So I think we are asking less of him and he is surrounded by players who suit his playing style more. So I don't even know if he's playing, like obviously it looks like he's playing better and credit to him. But you can't say he wasn't working hard before. And mm. I, I don't actually think that he got worse and then improved. I think this is the same player we've had all along. But when you put people in a system that suits them, you see very different players. And I think Jacker, just at the club, just to give a better example, Jacker is the best example of this. When a system suits him, he can look really good. And again, now he's got people to pass to through the lines, he started doing it again when everyone was saying, Jacker's lost the ability to pass. Well, do you know what? There was no one to pass to in, in central advanced spaces. So all he was doing was passing sideways and out to the fullback. He started doing it again because Smith Rowe's there and Lacazette's there. Hmm. When the system's open, Lacazette is exposed and makes bad fouls and gets turned, etc. So Lacazette's not the only one. I, th I think it's great seeing him score and get some confidence. But I think that we're seeing across the pitch players who just... You know, you see the systems matter and you see that personnel matters. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget that 
pre-Chelsea, you know, we, we were coming on here week after week, having not scored from open play. You know, we didn't score from open play in the, the Everton game was a penalty, wasn't it? I think we went like seven, eight hours or whatever without an open play goal. And Lacazette himself has just scored three from open play. Um, Carl, is it is it a bit of what JB said there? He's sort of getting into better goal scoring positions because obviously he he racked up a, a lot of XG just for himself yesterday. So he's a bit higher up the pitch um, and can get into those positions. Yeah, with his ability to, I think something that a lot of fans underrate is the ability to link up play. And when you actually, like JB said, you actually have people to link up play and then get into the final third from that um, makes a massive difference. Um, because we saw sometimes when, you know, we had no movement. We, he was basically dropping into defensive midfield and trying to pick up the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, see that using, you know, the best player in the world, Messi, when Barcelona have done terribly, he has to basically drop down and facilitate play that way. And when you have to make up that amount of yards to actually get forward um, in the final third, it's, you know, it's, it's really hard. When he can park himself higher up the pitch, knowing that players will make runs in behind him and that there's actually connections from deep with, you know, Shaka. Um, making passes forward, it makes such a massive difference. Mm, yeah, I think uh, his link-up play is, is massive and much has been said about the the wonderful second goal we scored yesterday in terms of Smith, Rowe and, and Saka's contributions. But um, Laka also played a vital part in that goal, sort of turning around, around the corner to Smith, Rowe. So, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for that, for that link-up play as well. And uh, in terms of sort of getting him higher up the pitch, it reminds me of uh, JB, what you were saying a few episodes ago about how we just need to get the whole whole system like 10 yards further forward. And it feels like with this system tweak, we, we're managing to do that with a lot of players, with Lacazette, with, with Tierney. You know, he, he's creating and scoring goals even because he's 10 yards further forward with his average positioning and, and it's, it's helping a lot of players. So... We've won three in a row. We've now got a week without football, which seems like an extremely long time um, after we sort of had midweek games for the whole of December, it felt like anyway. Uh, we've got Newcastle in the FA Cup next weekend. How do you guys think Arteta's going to approach that one? Traditionally, he, he's gone quite strong in the FA Cup, obviously won it last year. I'm sure he'll be keen you know, with the pep mentality to get as, as much silverware as possible. But we've got an opportunity perhaps to introduce the likes of Pepe um, and other players who've sort of been uh, not cast aside, but they, you know, the team's been winning this week, so they've not been able to get into it. Do you think Arteta will give some people an opportunity in this game or do you think he'll try and, you know, we've got a week's rest. He could feasibly just name a very similar team. Um, I need to be careful here because every time I expect Arteta to rotate, he's got a, a good track record of just picking the best players he can. Yeah. I think first time in a while, the squad's looking big enough to, to rotate and still play a reasonably strong side. So mm. I think he will. Um, but I, I think the starting point is rest, right? So I can't imagine Runison plays a game we want to win. So you got Leno. I think you have to rest Tierney, who's played like every minute of every game, give or take, apart from the Europa League. So you probably play Cedric or Maitland Niles left back. Um, I don't know. I know Hector got a rest the last game or the game before, but maybe you rest him. I think you bring Gabriel back in. You probably rest Holding. 
So like Gabriel and Louise probably play. Uh, I think it starts picking itself right. Midfield maybe a bit more complicated. Defensive Partey is fit. And then I think the front three will probably see like Pepe, Willian and Ketia, which mm-hmm. feels like it should be. Uh, maybe he uses Martinelli. I was thinking he might use Martinelli at nine, but like, I don't know. Um, I, I think the problem now is getting Martinelli into the first team, right? And I think if you're going to play Aubameyang, Lacazette as a default, then maybe Martinelli does play in the cup. But yeah, I, th- I think basically Saka, Smith Rowe, um, and Tierney should like probably not even be on the bench, and then maybe figure out the rest. Mm, that's exactly what. what yeah. I'd say. I think I those are the three to protect. Keep the spine the same, pretty much, and then rotate the players. Do have the players like Martinelli, um, Saka, Smith Rowe, who have you know come into the team but haven't been used to playing that amount of intensity matches over the course. Um, you know, Smith Rowe just came back from injury. So did Martinelli. So rotating those players out, but keeping a strong spine so we can beat Newcastle, um, I think is the best way. Mm, definitely. Okay, so we've got that game. Then we've got a couple couple of games in the league where Arsenal have an opportunity to sort of extend this positive, positive run. Last time we were talking on here, we were quite close to the bottom three. Now we are looking at the table. We are 12 points clear of the bottom three and six points off fourth place although they have a game in hand so things looking a lot more positive um hopefully we can continue this upwards trajectory because it scares me a little bit how quickly we manage to change in terms of confidence and just performance levels you know from the Everton game was the the lowest point for me uh to I think was straight followed by the Chelsea game it was just completely uh, unrecognizable so it scares me that we could fall back into that, but you know I'm going to try and think as positively as possible for now because plenty of reasons to be cheerful. Uh, we're going to leave it there. We're going to keep it bite-sized, uh, not because we are running out of time on a free Zoom meeting, but because we want to keep it bite-sized for for the fans. You know, we've got got a lot of awesome podcasts to listen to, but this one is the one that you can take quickly. Uh, and feedback and listen to other episodes if you want to listen to any more we've got the transfer pod on episode nine where we talk about a lot of players who Arsenal are now being linked to and the players that we would like to see come in this month because there is an opportunity for Arsenal to add more and I think we still need to do a lot this month even though form has been encouraging we can't forget the long-term problem so have a listen to episode nine if you haven't already this has been episode 10 we've made it this far well done Well done, JB. Thank you. It's a big landmark. We're going to get kicked out. We should say goodbye. (laughs) Yes. Well, thanks very much, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Fresh Arsenal Pod, if you're not already. And be sure to give us a good review on whatever you're listening on right now. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.
Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.